you've got your Bibles, go to um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Everybody got their Bibles? Just making sure. Not hearing too many pages, but that, you know, we live in a world of technology, so maybe you're using your iPad. I don't know. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. But in, and I know I told you, I know I told you to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. That's going to be our base. But in Genesis chapter 3, <laughs> the, the serpent, the serpent enters the stage at this very point in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we get the creation account. We see that everything is good, everything is lovely, everything is beautiful at this point in the story and the narrative of the Bible. Is, is that everything was good. And enters Satan into Genesis chapter 3. And he steps into the timeline of humanity. And he intersects with humanity. And he comes in, in a, with a crafty statement to Eve. Remember Eve, she's standing there. She sees the tree. Remember, what did God say? I'm giving you all of the fruit, all the trees in the garden that are they're pleasant to look at. And they're good to what? Eat. There's, there's good food to eat. So I'm going to provide you sustenance. I'm going to provide you everything you need. You can have it. But here's the thing. There's one thing you cannot eat. There's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Do not eat that tree. Do not eat the fruit of that tree. Now Eve, she she stepped it up again. She says, to, when, they, when she started having a conversation with the enemy, with Satan, she says, we can't even touch it. Did God say that we couldn't touch it? No, God said what? Don't eat. That's what we as humans do. We always like to add to what God says. We just need to stick with what God says. I think we'll be fine, amen? But I think it's interesting. Satan comes in with a crafty statement. He has a, just a, a subtle statement here in chapter 3, verse 3. He says, he says this, Now the serpent, more crafty than any other beast of the field... That the Lord God had made. Now, we talked about this in Sunday school. I want you to know something. God made Satan. God made Lucifer. He was the son of the morning. He was, he was the most beautiful creation that God had ever created. So God created Satan. Satan made a decision. And said, he said what? I will ascend to be the most high. I will be like God, I will sit up, I will be God. That is the statement that you and I, the human beings, have made for since we've been made. We want to be just like God. We want to be our own God. We want to make our own decision. Now listen to this. This is what Satan said. He said to Eve, the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the tree of the garden in the garden? That was the statement that Satan used. He, he questioned God. That's the same exact thing that is happening in 2020 is that Satan is using this exact same statement. Did God actually say? He's making us as human beings just like Eve did. He brought this statement up to make us really double think and be like, wait a minute. Did, did God really say this? This same lie is pushed out on us every single day. Did God actually stay? The statement that has brought us to where we are is this little tiny phrase. Did God actually stay? 
And this statement has brought doubt up into the minds of humanity for 6,000 plus years. It started with Eve, and it's going on with you and I this morning. Because the enemy wants us to believe that, did God actually say? Did God actually say these things to you? Did he actually say it? No, he didn't really say that. Don't believe what that, don't believe that old curmudgeon God. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Listen to me. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going I'm to present to you this morning and say that there is a war for your mind and your heart, and it's incredibly real. But the goal of the enemy is to make you believe that the fight is not real. And he's succeeding with so many people. It makes us believe, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Don't worry about it. There's not really a battle. It's not even something you need to be addressing. You don't even need to be worrying about these things. Just enjoy your life. You do you. Follow your heart. How many of you guys have heard these statements? Follow your heart. Do what you feel is right. The Bible says what? There's a way that seems right to man, but at the end, what? Leads to death. There's a way that seems right to human beings, but in the end, it brings death. You and I have heard these statements over and over and over again. And you know, let's just say this. You know who influences you more than anybody else? You know who influences you more than anyone else? You. You influence you. You do what you want to do. You, here's, let's just make this. We have a thinking, feeling, willing part. I think I'm thirsty. I, I feel like I'm going to go into the kitchen and get a glass of water. You know what? I will go get a glass of water. I'm thirsty. I think, I feel, I will. We are, that, that, is the, that is the state of who we are, and we influence us more than anyone else influences us. And, and oftentimes, what we do is we make excuses and say things like, well, the devil made me do it. What's that old cartoon? I can't remember. Do you remember he's, he's standing in the corner and he says, he did something really bad as well. The devil made me do it. Maybe. But do you know if the devil died this morning, you'd keep sinning? Because you have a sin nature. And because you have a sin nature, you will continue to sin. We blame a lot on the enemy. Which he's, 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 he's got some, some, some responsibility. But you have some responsibility as well. You have a sin nature. You were born with that sin nature. And you will continue to live in your sin nature until it's redeemed. You'll continue to sin until, you've redeemed, until it's been redeemed. And you'll continue to want to gratify your fl flesh until you're willing and ready and able to repent and have Christ redeem. So a couple of things that the enemy is... Or you couple that with the enemy telling you, did God actually say... You couple your sin nature with that, and you've got a recipe for a complete and total meltdown. Amen? So what I want to do today is I want to try to help us understand what it looks like to do battle with our minds to fight the flesh. Did you know that God's given you and I weapons to fight the flesh? Did you know that? You and I have been given weapons to be able to take on and fight 
the flesh. That's where we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you guys to go with me there and let's look at this text. We're going to start in verse 3. So 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 is where we'll start. For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Being ready to punish every disobedience when your obedience is complete. So we currently walk in the flesh. You and I right now in this moment, we are walking in this present world. We're walking in our physical flesh. We're here on this planet. Our feet are connected to this world. We move and have our being in this place called earth. But here's the thing. The fight that you and I are in, in the midst of the fights that we're in, those battles are not with flesh and blood. Not alone. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 says this. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in dark places. And against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So I know that you might be, there might be a fight that's going on in your home. There might be a fight that's going on at your work. You may have a tip with a coworker or a spouse or a child. There may be something that's going on with you, but that's not the main issue. That fight is a secondary issue. It's a fight, but it's not the main fight. The main battle is a battle that is an unseen battle. It is a fight that is, that is otherworldly. But the forces behind that fight that's going on in this world, they're, they're wanting to take you out. The enemy wants to discourage. The enemy wants to destroy. The enemy wants to kill. And I think about this. Who would love to see the homes of this church Destroyed more than the enemy. Who would want to let sin run rampant in our lives more than the enemy? Who's the one who wants to? Who's who is the one who's the author of destruction? Jesus? No. The author, John ten, tells us the enemy. What? What does he come to do? What's that? Kill? Steal? Destroy. Don't be afraid to say it. We can say it out loud. I'm one of those guys. You can, you can talk to me. I'm not afraid to have you guys talk to me. But this is, this is the enemy's plan. He's, he wants to run rampant in our lives. Jesus doesn't rejoice in wickedness, but the enemy does. So yes, we walk and move in this world, but we are not waging war according to the flesh. We're waging war in the spiritual realm. The spiritual powers are at play here. Look at verse 4. I want you to see verse 4. Look at that. Ready? For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine powers to destroy strongholds. They have to destroy strongholds. We have been given weapons. Weapons that destroy strongholds. I want you to think about that word stronghold. What do you think of when you 
hear the phrase, the word stronghold. I think of medieval days, knights and castles, and there's this, there's a the castle was the fortified stronghold. The enemy has strongholds. Satan has fortified castles in the spiritual world. And the devil has these strongholds in place, and he has fortified them in such a way, and he protects them against attacks. Like he's actively thinking of ways to protect his strongholds and to destroy your life. And he's fortified himself. He is actively planning and making war on people. That is his intended, stated goal. And the enemy has got these strongholds that he doesn't want to be taken out. So he's fortified them, and what he does is he wants you and I to believe. Now listen, he wants you to believe, believe that you cannot destroy these strongholds. I just, I, you know what, I, I don't think I can take that. I don't think I can do this. I don't think I can fight this battle anymore. I don't think I can make this thing work anymore. I don't think this relationship is even going to be worth it anymore. I don't think I can do this any further. I can't take another step. How many of you guys have ever thought those feelings? Said those things? Then the enemy wants you to believe that you're, you're done. There's no way you can fight anymore. There's a story. I think Sam told it to me. I'm going to blame it on Sam. An elephant, there was a guy who had an elephant, he was a circus guy, an elephant. He put him in put him in chains for a while, just to get him used to being in chains. He could only go a certain point. You could only go to a certain point with these chains on. Just kept him shackled down, kept him shackled down, and day after day after day, he could only go so far. He could only go so far. But the shackles were starting to really just wear on his ankles and just tear stuff up and so he said, you know what, God didn't have him here long enough. He believed, I can't go any further. So he put a piece of twine, this little rope, around the ankle of the elephant, and then he drove a stake into the ground. And he had just enough time, but because he was so worn down by his master, he was so worn down, he believed he, could, he couldn't go any further. And so he, the elephant, he only went so far. He had a little tiny rope and a little stick in the ground. Satan has just beat on some of you for a lifetime. And you just believe, man, I can't go any further. I can't do this. I can't make this happen. I can't, I can't overcome that sin. I can't have victory in my life. I can't do any of the things that I need to do. In reality, you're just you're, you're tied with a string and a stick. And he makes you believe. The enemy wants you to believe that you cannot destroy the strongholds that are going on around you. The enemy has caused so many of us to think that we cannot even fight, we can't destroy, we can't do anything against that particular stronghold in our lives. So we just, we just, we can't break free. There's no way I can get free from this. And if we could just see that, man, what's holding us back is that we'd be embarrassed. If we saw past the physicalness of the world and we saw the, the, the spiritual realm of what's holding us back, then there's going to come a day the Bible says we're going to look at Satan and we're going to be like, that's the one who held us in bondage? What? Like he's the one? Look at that puny little rat. Like there's coming a day when we're going to be like, what? But right now he's got some of you believing, man, there's no way I can do this. 
There's no way I can follow through. There's no way I can have victory. I can't. Well, what's the what's the devil the father of? What's the scripture say that the, the, the devil is? He's the father of what? Lies. He's the father of lies. And he's caused so many of us to believe. What's the, what's the big fun word right now? Fake news. <laughs> That's the big fun word right now. Fake news. And man, he is the chief author of fake news. And he makes us believe so many silly lies. And we, man, there's no way I can get past this. There's no way. No, here's what happened. Here's the truth of the matter. That Jesus Christ has given you the weapons for warfare. And this is, of the, they're not of the flesh, but they have divine power. The power that you have is to right down, just completely destroy the enemy. You have stronghold. You have the ability to destroy strongholds. Jesus has given you these weapons. Not just that. But to destroy arguments and agreements. Look at that next in verse 5. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive to obey Christ. We've not just been given the ability to destroy strongholds. But we can wipe out arguments and agreements in our own lives. How many of you guys have made agreements about who you are? I'm just, I just have a temper. That's just who I am. Really? Or do you just believe that? I'm just, I just have an addictive personality, so I'll just always be addicted to stuff. Really? Because the power of the gospel has the ability to break agreements, break arguments against Christ. He's the father of lies, and he wants you to believe that there is no way you can have victory over your sin. You just, you just don't. And so what happens a lot of times is people just give up. When they're young, I love it when young guys come to know Christ, they're just so excited. But you talk to people that have been a Christian for a while, and they're just like, they're exhausted. They say, man, I just want to give up. Because the enemy just, every day, pounds and pounds and pounds. He's got nothing but time. He's like, man, I got his job full on. 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. It's just to bombard you with all kinds of sinfulness and wickedness and destructiveness. And he just loves it. That's his, he excels at it. And eventually you're just like, oh! I need Austin. Where is it at? Austin, do I need it? <laughs> Austin's got a great, oh! Like when you just, how many of you guys, when you feel like you're just exhausted from it, you're just like, oh, I'm tired of it. That's what the enemy wants. The enemy wants to just be like, oh, I'm giving up. I don't want to go to church anymore. Oh, I'm done. I don't want to read the Bible anymore. And the enemy just wants to keep pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and makes you believe that, man, you're no way you can get past this. But you're just tied up with a string and a stick. You can break free from this by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus has given you the weapons to destroy strongholds from Satan. And not just that, the arguments and agreements that you've made about yourself. You have the power to break free from that by the power of Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Just flip over and go to Ephesians chapter 6. I want you to see this. Come on, go with me because it's important because faith cometh by hearing and what? Hearing by the word of God. Amen. Listen, we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10. Listen to this. Finally, chapter 6, Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, be strong in who? Yourself? Be strong in Caleb Gordon? No. 
finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might, put on the full armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And that's what it is. The devil has schemes. Like every day, like I told you, that's all he does is he dreams up schemes. And when you get on the full armor of God, you're able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, whoa, uh-oh, what's that say? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against cosmic powers and this present darkness against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in that evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore and stand firm. Having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, which can extinguish the flaming darts of the evil one, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, to the end to keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for each other, for all the saints. So we've been given this mandate by God to take up the take up all of the things, all of we need, God's given us the weapons to be able to unpack and just really take this thing to the to the enemy. We've got the belt of truth, we've got the shoes, we've got everything that we need. God's given you everything you need to fight the enemy, to fight this the fleshly desires that you have. Every one of us in this room have fleshly desires. Mine can look different from yours, and yours can look different from mine, but they're all still fleshly desires. But if we say, okay, today is the day I'm going to just wake up, and I'm going to what? I'm going to stand in his strength. God, I can't do it. So you're laying in bed. This isn't my bed. We'll work with it. We're laying in bed. Your eyes pop open. God, I can't make it. I don't know. Golly. It's going to be a rough day. But Lord, something's in my eye. Oh, I'm going to... Okay, I'm going to stand in your strength today, guys. I'm going to make it. I can do this. And you just, before you even put your feet on the ground, say, okay, God, today I'm going to stand in your strength. I'm going to do what you've called me to do. God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wage war on my flesh. And the only way I can do it, I can't do this in my mind. I can't do this in my strength. Oh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it in your mind. I'm going to do it in your power. Okay, God, what's the first thing I've got to put on here? i got to put on a belt. Why don't we put a belt on? What's the purpose of a belt, man? Keep your britches up. I love that, Sam. That's good. We're just going to put that in your notes. Put, to, to keep your britches up. If you're actively engaged in a fight and your britches fall down, I'm going to use that word for us today. If, if you're in an active fight and my pants are falling down while I'm trying to fight, is that going to be problematic? It's <laughs> my, my way to fight just... Pants fall down. Whoa, I don't want to fight you. I'm done. That's a bad idea. Oh. Oh. Right? 
But no, it, like the idea is, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get I'm prepared. I'm ready to go. So I've got to get my, my belt on and my pants are tight. And my, I'm ready to go. I'm able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Let's do this. Let's go. Let's go. Take up the whole armor of God. Fasten the belt of truth and have him put on the breastplate of righteousness. What the, what, I mean, in this day and time, what's the point of a breastplate? Why do police officers wear Kevlar vests? They protect, like when you take a bullet, if you've got a Kevlar vest on, it's more, you're more than likely not going to get killed. You might get hurt. I mean, you're going to, cool, you're going to feel it. But the breastplate of righteousness, you're going to feel it when the enemy tries to strike. But you're going to be like, remember that, remember Clint Eastwood? Good, bad, and ugly. Aim for the heart. Remember? Shot him, he fell down, he gets back up. Oh! He was so mad. Pulled back the. He had the breastplate on. It protected him from the bullets. That's the reason you wear the breastplate of righteousness, to protect you from the fiery darts that are thrown at you by the enemy. The breastplate of righteousness and having the shoes of, of, on your feet that have been put on for the readiness of the gospel. What do you put shoes on for? So you can, you're ready to run. You're ready to go. You're ready to, spend, you're ready to take out this good news. The good news of the gospel, I can't go very far if I don't have my shoes on. I'm tender-footed. I can't, I can't even step onto the porch. I'd be like, oh, please. But if I got my shoes on, I can walk for a while. If you've got the gospel ready to go, and you're ready to propel that out into the, into the world, you can go far. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith. So not only do you have the breastplate to protect, you've also got a shield of faith to be able to protect you against what? The fiery darts that the enemy fires at you. Like, this is, these are the things that must be have. And then ultimately, what do you have as your weapon? You've got the sword. The scripture says that this is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's able to cut through the bone and the marrow. It goes right to the heart. How many of you have been penetrated by the sword of the spirit, by the power of the word of God? It zinged you. It hit you in the heart. And you're like, holy God, I am a sinner. Oh my gosh, I am in deserving. I do deserve God's wrath. Oh my goodness, there is a path for me to find redemption. And you found it through the power of God's word being preached and proclaimed. And you repented and you confessed and you gave your life to Christ by the power of the word. So you've got this sword that's able to defend and, and get rid of the enemy. And you can fight the enemy. And once we understand the power of this weapon, man, look at what happens in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience as soon as the obedience, as your as soon as your obedience is complete. You're able to punish every act of disobedience as soon as your obedience is complete. Like that's the power of understanding God's word. In a war, we punish evildoers. In World War II, our soldiers, the American soldiers, went and they faced the German soldiers and they went full on. They didn't wait just like, they didn't go a little, oh, I'm going to take it easy this time. On Omaha Beach, they weren't like, well, we'll just, let's just sit back and see what happens. I'm just going to stand back here in the boat and watch. 
No, the soldiers made an advance and they went on to Omaha Beach and they pounded and they pounded because the enemy was pounding right back. They said, I'm going to give just as much as I'm getting. And I'm, the enemy's pounding at you guys and pushing you and pushing you. And you've been given the power by the Holy Spirit to be able to push back. Amen? Like this would be, I know we're Baptists, but man, this should get some of us Pentecostal. Like, I, I, I just, like, we should be running the pews on that one. Golly. Sam, can you run a pew? I don't, I'm just, okay, never mind. <coughs> but stick to the notes. <sighs> but the same idea is, I mean, the, our soldiers, they, they didn't, they didn't give up. They didn't give an inch. They pushed back. And, and this is the idea. When the act of disobedience rears its ugly head, when you're invested and in tune into God's word and you're in tune with God, you're able to take the enemy out. When that act of disobedience rears its ugly head, and when we're so in tune, we just not right to the jaw and it's down. Why? Because you're standing in his power and his might. And when you're behind, when Christ is the power behind you, you can take anything out that the enemy throws at you. Huh? Lustful thought. Pah! Angry word. Pah! Unforgiveness. Pah! You just take it out. When it comes at you, you just, I'll take it out. I'll fight it. I'll go. I'll go hard. I'm not, I'm not scared. Why are you not scared? Because I'm standing in the power of God. Amen? Woo! You, when, you, when you hold the power of God in your hands, like this is the power. The word is the power. What did Jesus do? When Jesus and the enemy, Satan, remember Satan took a minute, he was in the wilderness for 40 days? And Satan tempted and tempted and tempted and tempted and every time Satan, Jesus didn't go, well, let's have a theological discussion about this. Let's have a sit down. Let's have a debate. What did Jesus do? He said, the word says, the word says, the word says, and there was like the, the Satan couldn't, he couldn't argue. He couldn't argue with the word. When, he, when the word comes, he's like, no, 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 no. Okay, move on. Next temptation. The word says, Nothing I can do. There's nothing that, that Satan can do against the power of the Word of God. Nothing. I, I love this. Look at this. Go to Jude 9. I want you to see Jude 9. Jude, Jude 1 9. Listen to this. Listen to this. You only have one. This is a fascinating verse. It has total implication for something completely different. But I want you to see this. Look at this. Jude 1 9. This is on my notes. You guys can get this for free this morning. Congratulations. <clears throat> but when the archangel Michael contended with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but just said, The Lord rebuke you. Like, the enemy has no, like, there was, a, there was a spot where Michael the archangel is coming to get the body of Moses. And the, the enemy says, no, 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 wait. It's not time. You can't have his body. And you know what Michael the archangel said? The Lord rebuke you. He, he does what he wants. The word of God. The Lord rebuke you. All right? There's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can do in this moment. The word of God is the ultimate power. 
And when you have the ultimate power in your hand, you can destroy the enemy's strongholds. The enemy has no power when we're dialed into the Holy Spirit in this way. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves therefore to God and resist the devil and he'll flee. When you're submitted under God's authority and you resist Satan, he doesn't stick around and have an argument. He says, man, I got to go. I got to go. What's that old, a mighty fortress is our God, that old hymn? With one word, with one word, the enemies fell. Just like that's when, at the end of the book, when Satan and God have their big final battle, it's not, it, it, I think our movie mentality has just bolstered this thing up and it's like going to be the Avengers versus Thanos type thing. It's going to be this big fight. And what it really is, is God's just going to say, no. With one, I don't know what the word is, but it says with a word, he destroys Satan. What word? One word, it's over with. The power of God's word is the most powerful thing in the universe. And when we submit ourselves to God, we can resist the devil and he doesn't stick around. But if you don't submit yourself to God and you try to resist the devil, he's got a playground to play in and he'll rip you apart. When you try, I've got this in my muscles. Right? The moment you and I make peace with our, listen to this. The moment you and I make peace with our sin is the moment the enemy will declare victory in your life and he will come in and he will run rampant in your heart and in your mind and he will just take up shot. So here's what, you, the admonition, I didn't say this, this is uh, John Knox, I believe, said this. Kill sin or it'll kill you. Take your sin and drag it out in the street and murder that thing because it's going to come for you. If you don't kill your sin, your sin will kill you. If you make peace with it, oh, that's just your pet sin. Like I had a friend of mine who has a sister who goes to church in another state. And that pastor told this sister, well, you've got this particular sin in your life. You just Everybody's got a pet sin. You just need to make peace with it. I'm sorry, what? I would have punched that back. That's not a pastor. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing and he needs a bloody nose. That's just, that's not appropriate. Oh, just make peace with sin. That is damning to tell people to make peace with sin. You make war with your sin and kill it. Drag it into the street and kill that stuff because it will kill you eventually. Like that's not even appropriate. That's wicked and hellish and satanic to the core to tell people to make peace with their sin. I'm telling you as your pastor, do not make peace with your sin. Make war on your sin. Because your sin will find you out and will destroy you. But here's the beautiful thing. The enemy has been defeated. Remember I told you we could get, like that should get us excited. The enemy's been defeated. Satan has been defeated. It's over with. You don't have to worry about this anymore. You don't have to worry about victory being declared because by the enemy because Jesus has won the battle. So what's it going to take to fight our flesh? Come in, come in line. Come and align yourself with what God's already done. How do we do that? Repentance. You repent of your sins. Repent where you know you've fallen short. So I don't know where I've fallen short. Ask God to reveal where you've fallen short 
and he'll reveal where he's where you've fallen short and you repent and then you just align yourself repent of your current stance and your current circumstance and be willing to submit yourself to God submit yourself therefore to God and resist the devil and he will flee he cannot do anything he can't get anywhere he has no power the enemy, I know John 10 says he's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So I'm telling you that you are in the midst of a, of a battle. And this battle is serious. And, you, and the devil knows that you have the upper hand. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to make sure that you understand or make you believe that you can't do this. There's no way I can win this fight. The devil wants you to believe that. But I'm telling you as your pastor, don't believe that. Believe that the enemy has already been defeated and Jesus is more than enough. Jesus has the power to destroy strongholds in your life. So if you've got anything that's going on in your life, Jesus has the ability to take that out. That's where we need to put our hope. That's where we need to put our trust. That's where we need to put our faith. Amen? Like that's like this. This is good. This is the reason it's called good news. Yes, there's some bad stuff that's going on around us, but the good news is that the, the enemy's been defeated. We're fighting. I love this. We're not fighting for victory. We're fighting from victory because God's already won the battle. God's already won the battle. We're fighting from the victory's over. Like we're we're going back. We're, we're going back on this. Jesus is the cross already defeated. Say he's done. And he knows it. He's just trying to figure out a way to make you believe you're not, you, you don't have a chance. There's no way I can do this. When you're in Christ, everything's different. When you hold fast to the gospel, that's, that's everything. That's everything, guys. She gets excited. Amen? All right, guys, let's stand. Thank you for being here this morning. I'm glad you're here. Uh... Jamie Dion, would you dismiss us in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for this day, Lord. I thank you for allowing us once again to meet here in this place. And Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you that you are who you say you are and that you don't go back on your promises, Father. I just am thankful for that. Father, help us to live our lives in a way that would bring you glory throughout this week. Father, I just pray that you would give us all uh, safe travels home and to the places where we're going to be. And Father, um, I pray that when you put people in front of us, Lord, that need to hear about you, that we would be bold enough to open up our mouths and share uh, what you've done for us and, and to share your good news, the gospel. Father, I, I just um, thank you for this day, and I just ask that you would just be with us and bring us back here safe for the next time that we meet. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, and I love you. You've been listening to a sermon audio resource from the ministries at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, Kansas. We pray that this encourages you and challenges you on your walk this week with Christ. To find out more about what's going on at First Baptist Church in Cedarvale, you can go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash Cedarvale First Baptist. Thank you, and God bless.